Hey, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to My Sentiments Exactly podcast. My name is Kay, and I'm your host. Today's special guests are Dietrich and Haley Moon. Dietrich is the author of The Unlikely Journey, Fire and Gold. He is a philanthropist, international motivational speaker, podcast host, and single father. He loves to see others be their best selves, so his life's mission is to create a positive and fun impact wherever he is allowed. His daughter, Haley Moon, is the co-author of The Unlikely Journey. She is also the author of The Rules of a Big Boss, a book of self-love. Her hobbies include singing, dancing, writing, and drawing. They reside in North Carolina with their dog, Oreo. Please be on the lookout for additional literary pieces by this father-daughter duo and hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome, Haley and Diedrich. I am so excited to have you two as guests on My Sentiments Exactly podcast today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So we're going to start out with a conversation starter and we're going to do two different ones since I have two guests today. So it'll just be a random question. I'll pick it and then you can just give your answer. All right. So this is for Haley. If you could advocate for anything, how ironic, what would it be and why? Since I already advocate for self-love and like that, I would gravitate more words like things that are like beneficial um and like a government kind of standpoint so i would okay for either black lives matter or lgbtqia rights okay okay cool thanks okay and for diedrich um what has surprised you the most about yourself recently what has surprised me the most about myself recently um, is my ability to persevere and push past uh, limitations. Uh, one of the reasons that I defer to my daughter is because I have a speech impediment. I didn't always, I developed it over the past six or seven years. In reading one of our books, readers will actually learn about where I developed that speech impediment. And uh, it was developed because of trauma. And uh, wow. Okay. Speech impediment, I have became afraid of public speaking. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, or it's ironic because in my positions and roles that I've held, I have always been required to do a lot of public speaking. But because of that speech impediment, I've become fearful of it and afraid to use my voice. Mm. Um, what's happened over the past several months with Haley and her being able to get past her fears has allowed me to push past my fears. And it has allowed me to push past my fears and with respect to public speaking, saying, you know, I stutter, I stutter, no big deal. Uh, just mm. And, you know, stop trying to hide the fact that you had the impediment. Uh, it takes more to show it than it does to hide it or just let it yeah. go. Um, but because of it, I still feel more comfortable uh, sitting in the background and being up on the stage. But I have found that, you know, I am fully capable of sitting on the stage and being able to control the festivals in my speech and everything without stuttering as much. We literally talked right before um, recording this and I, I wouldn't even have known 
Um, but thank you so much for being transparent um, about that. I'm loving the father-daughter duo. Um, and I hope that you all just have more and more opportunities to be able to share together and overcome your fears together. I think it's so amazing how you two are doing that together. So we are going to get right into your welcome. We're going to get right into Haley's story. So pretty much it all started when I was like around the ages of six to eight. And I was okay. friends with this girl. And okay, pretty close. She was like one of my best. Friends. I had a lot. Of she was one of my best friends, and spent the most time with because we were around each other a lot. So, since she was one of the people that like the closest to, I would more of go to her house a little bit more. So, okay, went over to her house for a birthday party. I can't remember or if it was her cousin. It was one of the two. Well, the birthday people were watching a movie. I was in her room playing with dolls and things like that. And okay. we were playing with dolls together. And then out of nowhere, she tries to like kiss me. And I was like, whoa. So I had tried mm -hmm. to get away from this situation. And then yeah. right when I was trying to leave, she had pinned me against the wall. And she had tried to okay. again. Again, I didn't let her. And mm -hmm. again... She had tried to put her hands on my pants, didn't let her do it. I walked out of the room and I told my dad that I wanted to leave and didn't want to come back. Um, mm -hmm. Any follow-up questions after that? So we had left and after we had left the situation kind of like distant from that point on. And she would do stuff like that two more times. I don't exactly remember okay. what she did, but I just know that she did something that I didn't like. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward a little bit. And at that time I was like in first and second grade. So at this time it was like either third or fourth grade. It was third grade. And I had already moved away. I was a completely different state than her. And we got all of the stuff settled. So now I'm at a new school and a new class and I made friends with this one girl. This was the girl that okay. liked. Everyone found her pretty. Everyone found her the nicest. She was mm -hmm. like the it girl of third. Got you. She was even teacher too. So okay. During that, she became one of my best friends. And okay. After she became one of my best friends, like people would notice that, and they would be like comparing us to each other because you know we were around each other the most. Mm -hmm. when you're around someone and like they're considered you're considered like the ugly one they're considered like the pretty one that's how got you yeah it would be rude to me but it'd be nice to her and then she mm -hmm. would defend me but sometimes she would like do stuff to me too but i don't think she would really do it but she would point out things that i didn't even notice before and like for example like I had big thighs and she would point that out. And then I looked down and noticed it. And then that made me start to feel insecure from that point on. Got you. Picking on that insecurity. I don't think that mm -hmm. she was harmful, but it was. So I would like constantly compare myself to her. And I would constantly compare myself to her. It would make me feel really insecure and mm -hmm. defensive. So I see somebody would say something bad about me, go off. 
Don't yeah. <laughs> look at me the wrong way. Go off. And I was <laughs> spending every single little thing that wouldn't even really matter now. Mm-hmm. Then it kind of happened over and over again. I went to another school for fourth grade. Same thing. I don't know. How I wow. Friends with the people that everybody loved, but I always managed to. And mm-hmm. he wouldn't really pick on me. Um, it was like a necessarily like we would have like that friendship where you would like pick on your friend, but you wouldn't actually mean it. And eventually we had stopped being friends. And then once again, oh, I had like compared myself to her too because okay. we're always complimenting her. Then in the process of complimenting her, they would bring me down. So that would also make me feel more insecure. And then I would like start to, I'm not gonna lie, I would start to like be rude to her. Like I didn't know that I was being rude. I thought that it was yeah. around and just trying to get a funny reaction. I didn't know that it was rude at the time because that was my first time doing it. So mm-hmm. once I had later figured that out, I was insecure about that too. I was like, oh my gosh. And then I was like insecure about all the stuff that I have went through in the past. And then once again, I make friends with an, yet yeah, another one that everybody knows and that everyone. Wow. And she turned out to be very toxic and she okay. would always talk down on me. And then like, at first I didn't talk down to her whatsoever, but as soon as I noticed that she was doing it, I was like, oh, okay. So you're comfortable. <laughs> this is what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. So since I was like, oh, she seems comfortable with it. And like, oh, it doesn't seem to be much of a big deal to mm-hmm. her. Oh, okay. Guess that's just how our friendship works. Oh, no. Mm. Not okay. Point. Yeah. She would constantly get offended and then get mad when she would do the exact same thing, except she would take it a mile further. She would come got you. She would attack my dog. She would attack my god sister. She would attack my mom. She would go farther and farther and farther than I would. But I said two things that were really out of line. And Mm -hmm. that's what kind of like caused our friendship to like shift more than it already has. And then over time, she would just keep bringing it up in every single argument or of the littlest disagreement, she will always bring it up. And then from that point on, constantly worse. She tried to push me off a balcony twice. Um, like the first time I had managed to roll out of the way before um, she had even got, clo- I got close to the balcony. And then the second time I was close to the balcony, but I caught myself with my hand. Um, I didn't really think about it at the time. I didn't think of it as bad. I thought it was just like, oh, just joking. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So I forgave her, but I didn't talk to her. And okay. over time, I started to get more and more confident. I started to realize exactly who I was um, a little towards July. And then come December, I was like almost fully confident. And like, this was like the moment where I started to take more pictures and stuff like that. I wasn't really caring okay. or anything like that. Um, I realized that the more that I took pictures, the more I started to feel better about myself because I would post it on my store and then I would get a lot of compliments. People would say that I was glowing. And then when I would talk, yeah. they like my voice. Like the videos that I would record myself rather than somebody else recording, that's why I looked mm-hmm. so already had it in my head. I already okay. And when I take multiple pictures, I do it at different angles. And that's why it looks a lot better when I would do pictures rather than when. Okay. That would also boost my confidence a little bit. When I would see the other pictures that other people were taking me, I'll be like, oh my God. (laughs) 
but oh my gosh, why do I look like that? <laughs> yeah. Right. Else would do it. So that's part of the reason why I would look a whole lot better. And okay. my confidence a lot more. So that's pretty much all I have to say. So dad, you can. <laughs> so she left a lot of details out, but you know, okay. there was a lot of the underlying baseline of the, um, of the book, a bit most, a book of self-love uh -huh. was the trauma. And it's good that she left it out because mm. she's carrying over, it would be carrying over into another story. The second book that mm -hmm. coming out is called the, um, the unlikely journey, fire and gold. And that's a book mm -hmm. that, and she's co-authoring the book and, uh, it goes deeper into what she experienced when she was uh, between the second and third grade. Okay. What is, uh, after that girl tried to, after another child tried to sexually um, Haley moved back away from her a little bit and then um, I tried to talk to the mother of that child after I found out what was going on. And mm -hmm. Or the other child denied everything, said that Haley was lying, and if anything, mm. Haley did these things to her. And mm. a very ugly discussion. And I said, you know what? Let's just agree to stay away from one another. I won't deal with you any longer, and I don't want my child to deal with yours any longer. And let's just keep them apart. You know, let's just. Mm -hmm. And she agreed that that was best. And I thought that you know, let by guys uh that didn't work because the other child got angry once Haley backed away from her okay and she began to try to harm her so she's basically mm -hmm. assaulting Haley. um she actually made about three attempts on her life um mm -hmm. brown and Haley in the pool in our um community uh because the child not only went to school with Haley, was in her class also lived four houses down. Um, okay. After that event where she tried to drown her in the pool, she faked and said that she was sorry, and you know they wanted to hug. She wanted to hug it out with Haley, and once Haley opened her arms and let her guards down to hug her, uh, the other child started to choke her. And uh, wow, on the verge of passing out, and uh, the older kids that lived in the neighborhood or the other child off of her. And um, that's just two. There are um, yeah. examples as well. Um, she was assaulting her at school. She was spreading uh, nasty rumors uh, about Haley around at, uh, at school. Mm -hmm. uh, they were the type of rumors that you would hear mean girls in high school pass around. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Catch me. Yeah. And we're talking about a six-year-old. So yeah unheard of. Once I start to come in and start to gain cognizance of everything that's going on, I take it to our community manager, our homeowners association. I notify the principal at school, the counselor at school, the social worker of everything that's occurred and transpired. And uh -huh. by the people at the before and after care program, because these things were happening school day, they were happening at the before and after care program, they were happening in the community. Okay. No one would do anything. And um, so I ended up contacting the police. I ended up call, 
protecting juvenile services, they wouldn't do anything. And yeah. assuming that the reason they didn't do anything is because um, of the age of our uh, age of the children. I mean, I would have found okay. Kid. I mean, a six-year-old and trying to rape a seven-year-old sounds unheard of to me. Um, yeah. But not only that, but we were living in a um, predominantly white town. Um, okay. The racial makeup was about 80% and the, uh, I'm sorry, about 80% Caucasian and about maybe 10% African-American. And the crime rate in that area was really low. A big uh-huh. going 15 miles over the speed limit. Um, that would be a, would have been a big crime in that town. Uh, uh, uh-huh supposed to basically be like the the it place to live or whatever so with that being said i believe that you know our our ethnicity and you know the fact that crimes don't particularly happen there that mm-hmm. it's to my lack of believability or whatever despite the fact that i had witnesses who could attest to these things actually transpiring anyway things got progressively worse Point where Haley began to develop uh, school phobia, uh, agoraphobia. She became depressed and she began to start contemplating suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, she just changed and became a shell of herself. Like she was afraid to even go to the go outside into the park uh, to go mm-hmm. something to eat or something like that. I mean, she was just that afraid. Um, yeah, it been abused so much, and I tried everything to you know try and help her out, like notifying the proper authorities and everything, and no mm-hmm. anything. Well, finally, things reached ahead, um, and we're talking about 2015 to 2016. So this stuff went on for well over a year. Um, well, in the September of 2015, I believe, um, uh, it was a holiday and we were having a cookout and Haley was staying inside with the adults because she was afraid to go outside. Mm-hmm. And afraid to go outside because she was afraid of the other little girl attacking her again. And they had okay. several friends in common or, um, and whatnot. Well, I and my neighbor convinced her to go outside and go play and just be a kid. And uh, she went outside and she came back later. And when she came back later, she was real quiet, reserved and distant and walking with a limp. I figured, oh, kids be kids. You know, kids get hurt and stuff like that. Yeah. And then horse playing. So I didn't really think too much of it. Um, I asked her what was wrong. She said nothing. She wouldn't tell me anything. And so we thought nothing of it. Well, later on that night, she told me that the other child beat her up and she basically beat her like she was a dog. And what was the most alarming thing to me is these friends were out there and watched the whole thing happen and saw it all transpire. And I asked Haley, "What? I understand that they're friends with you, but what the kind of friends would allow, would sit back and watch you get beat up? And um, not only that, but she also shared with me that the other children recorded everything. And uh. I said, well, I need to get the recording from them. And she said, you can't because they deleted it. And I asked her, what do you mean they deleted it? And she said that they deleted it because they didn't want me to see it because they knew that I would get really upset 
and they didn't want me to get upset and they told me not to tell you what happened just to tell you that I got hurt for playing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Bailey, well, I'm glad that you told me and you know, and she was seriously physically injured. And um, that night, as she, I told her, don't sleep, sleep in my room, sleep with daddy um, or whatever. And I held her and rocked her to sleep that night. And what she didn't see is that I cried the entire night. Mm. And I, mm. I held her the entire time and I stayed awake. And I cried because I felt like I failed her um, as a parent. Yeah. And, you know, I felt her, felt uh, to protect her. I failed to um, teach her how to defend herself or... Mm-hmm her and sending her outside against my own better judgment. My own better judgment told me to keep her inside, but I sent her outside. Yeah. Uh, nothing would happen. And then if something did happen, I figured, you know, her friends would come get me or would um, yeah. protect her or whatever. And, you know, I just felt like a complete failure. And I, mm. I, as I said, I cried all night and I asked God, why me? Why, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, why her? Why not me? Um, or whatever. So I called my mom the next day, and my mom is a social worker. So I asked my mom, "Okay, I do, um, or what are we supposed to do in a situation where the school administrators aren't doing anything? Um, the school administrators aren't doing anything. The police aren't doing anything. Juvenile services isn't doing anything. We had also contacted social services. Social services isn't doing anything. No one will help us." And my mom said, more or less, you're going to have to help yourself. And you're going mm. to tell Haley to go out there and uh, fight. The next time that girl puts her hands on her, she's going to have to fight her back. I said, okay. So, um, and mind you, my mom's not just a social worker. She's a licensed clinical social worker. She's been practicing social work for 30, oh, uh, she's been practicing social work for 40 years. I'm sorry. Wow. So she knows her stuff. Okay. Um, anyway, um, and she's a licensed clinical social worker as well. So anyway, my mom tell it's sharing this with me. I'm just assuming she knows what she's talking about. And the biggest thing she told me is that the reason that the police won't do anything is because it's really a juvenile services issue. Juvenile okay. isn't doing anything because of the age of the children. Juvenile services typically doesn't get involved until the children are about 12, because more or less that's where you reach the age of accountability. You could really differentiate. And the resources are set up for that age group. There are limited to no resources for ages, uh, elementary school age children. So that's why you have Mm. encountered a lot of the pushback that you have. Mm. Anyway, fast forward the next day. I told Haley to go get something out of my car. Uh, She went to go get something out of my car. And or she, I'm sorry, she was going to get something out of her car, and her assailant and her bully was sitting right there on our front steps. And uh, Haley was afraid to walk past her uh, because she has just been tortured by this girl. Yeah, this time. So the little girl is looking back at Haley, and she's rolling her eyes, sticking her middle finger up at her, sticking mm-hmm. her out, and all kind of things to antagonize her. And um, Haley says, "I can't get out. She won't let me pass." And this is what she's doing. I told Haley, just ignore her, just walk past her and go get what I asked you to get out of the car. She says, okay. So she goes outside timidly because, um, again, she's afraid. Uh-huh. Girl puts her hands on her again. Haley comes back in the house. She tells me she's hurt. And I asked her, why did you not 
hit her back. It hit her back immediately. She said that she was scared and she was afraid to get beat up again. And she just didn't want to do it. And I told her, you're going to have to do it. And if you don't do it, it's just going to get worse. And eventually it's going to cost you your life. This girl has already tried to kill you three times. You have to stand up for yourself. I have done everything that I can to protect you short of fighting that little girl myself. I am not going to fight a little girl. You have to stand up for yourself. Daddy is not going to always be here. I cannot fight every battle for you. You have yeah. to find a fight within yourself and you have to fight her. So she said, I'm scared. And I said, Haley, go out there and fight that girl. I will stand out there with you and I will make sure that she doesn't win. So she went out there and she def defended herself. You would think that we were all in the clear after all of this happened. Well, fast forward, uh, Haley, the little girl goes home and she's crying and everything. She's finally met her match. A couple hours later, um, we're eating dinner. There's a knock at the door and it's the police. The sheriff came to take a statement from me to find out what was going on, what happened, what transpired, and so on and so forth. So he shared with me that he had already taken a statement from the other child's family. He had taken a statement from the neighbors and now he was concluding things and having a talk with me. So I shared with the sheriff uh, what happened and everything that led up to it. And I showed him a log of all of the events that transpired leading up to that, going back. Wow. And I said, you know, on this date, this is what happened. On this date, this is what happened. And so on and so mm -hmm. forth. He asked me, could he have a copy of, could I print a copy of the, um, the uh, notebook I was keeping, could he print a copy of it out and take it with him? I said, sure. So I gave it to him and he put it inside the police report. Um, he said, I'm so sorry that you and your daughter are going through all of this and this, that, and the third. A um, couple of days later, come back, and I cannot remember exactly what it was called. I guess it would be called a criminal summons. But okay. a couple of days later, I came home to find a summons or maybe it was a subpoena. But I found out that I was being charged with second-degree assault on a minor, and I was facing a... 10-year prison sentence what? or a $5,000 fine and or both. And the prosecutor, sorry, not the, pro the prosecuting attorney wanted to make an example out of me. And he wanted to make an example out of me largely because of, I, as I said before, this is a town where crime doesn't happen. And they considered the fight a crime. So what they said is the reason that it was second degree assault on a minor is because I encouraged the fight. And they said that it was premeditated because when Haley came back in the house, I sent her back out and said fight. They didn't consider the fact that the other girl had just hurt her. Yeah. And, back and everything else. Yes. They considered it premeditated and everything. And regardless of the information that I turned over to the sheriff regarding the log of all of the events that transpired or whatever. So I ended up having to hire an attorney, to a criminal defense attorney, and the highest ranking criminal defense attorney in the state. And it was funny that they were trying to make an example out of me because I am someone who has a clean criminal record. I didn't even yeah. have so much as a speeding ticket. I hadn't had a speeding ticket in over 20 years. 
Um, mm. Don't smoke. Don't drink. I mean, I am squeaky clean. I am so squeaky clean that when it came time to do my security clearance, the security investigators thought that I was lying. And they said, no way <laughs> one is background is this clean. You haven't been out of the country. You don't drink. You don't smoke. You don't party. Yeah. What are you, a saint? And I laughed and I said, no, I'm not a saint. I just don't do bad stuff that's <laughs> Yeah. I do, I do crazy things, but the crazy things I do are legal, you know? <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. And they says you don't even drink coffee, and I said no, I don't drink coffee either. They said oh no, really? wear pig, and I said no, I'm not. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so the criminal defense attorney that I ended up having to hire for my defense to really make you understand how deep it was, I ended mm -hmm. up spending twenty thousand dollars on criminal defense. And this what? on for I want to say about six months. And um, they painted the picture, or the prosecutor tried to paint the picture that Haley was the bully and was doing all these things to the other child in this, that, and the third. But they had no proof and had no evidence. And, and you had record proof and evidence. <laughs> but I was, but vilified. I was vilified and treated very. My attorney was a Caucasian guy. And he said, Deidre, I'm going to be honest with you. Be very honest. If you are being treated like this is because of the county you live in. You mm -hmm. live in a predominantly white community. And, yep. and you are black. Yep. If you were white, this would not have happened. The sheriff would have said, okay, I've seen all I need to see. And he would mm -hmm. have buried it. Exactly. And he said, and this is as simple as that. Had you been in a black community and this happened, they would have said, you know, the other little girl got what she deserved. Let bygones be mm -hmm. bygones. But because you are a black man. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Because you are a high ranking government employee. They are trying to make an example out of you. And the prosecutor will be able to elevate himself to potentially be in the state DA. If he can bring a high ranking government employee down who is black. And he said, your biggest issue was this happened in the wrong county. Yeah. Um, he said, and I'm just being, and he said, I'm just being honest with you. And the process, my attorney could sell to these things because he lived in the same county. He lived maybe 20 minutes away from us, but he practiced law in a black community. So he knew what he was talking about. Anyway, that we're going to build a defense around all of this so that they understand, you know, what you did was criminal and it was criminal. And he explained to me the reason that it was criminal was because I did tell Haley to go back outside. He said that was criminal. Yeah. He also yeah. said standing out there and watching it was also criminal. And yeah. He said that what you should have done, and he said, and this is a note for the future if a situation like this ever occurs again, grab your cell phone and act like you own the cell phone. Turn your head, look away, or go for a walk around the block or something. You didn't see it. And basically, <laughs> it didn't happen. And he said, gotcha. and then you watch it. He said, and I understand why you did it. You did the right thing. And he said, you did what most any parent would have done. He said, uh, for sure. Still illegal. Yeah. We're going to do what we can to paint the picture of everything that was happening so that the judge will truly understand. Mm -hmm. Anyway, once everything was all said and done, the prosecutor eventually was able to see 
the picture that my defense counsel was presenting and that this was very much an issue of someone who had had enough, who had reached a break. Exactly. And that it was very much self-defense. So mm -hmm. once it was all said and done, oh, and they were also seeking, uh, the other child was also injured and they were seeking, the family was seeking uh, medical payments for their child's injuries or whatever. Okay. Once it was all said and done, the prosecutor came back and offered us a plea bargain. The plea bargain was, I'm going to let you plead not guilty. And in exchange for pleading not guilty, this is what you're going to get. He said, six months probation. I did not have to pay a penalty. I did not have to pay okay. bills or anything to that effect because they eventually were able to see that my child was not the villain and that I was not the villain and that I was just a dad who was trying to help their child and that I went outside, not with the intent of hurting that child, I went outside to give my daughter the confidence boost that she needed so that she could stand up for herself. So eventually they backed down and said, you know, we feel sorry for him and we feel sorry for this other child. And that other family was mad fire when I when we got off and beat the charges. And they also took into consideration that this dude really is squeaky clean. The picture that this other family is trying to paint of him and his daughter just doesn't make sense. Yeah. He yeah. honors. He was in the military, works for the government. He's got security clearance. The daughter is a straight A student, a Girl Scout and everything. It just doesn't make the picture that they're trying to paint doesn't make sense. I got to plead not guilty because I had all of the evidence that showed my daughter was never the villain in the story. She was the victim. I honestly have never seen or heard any story like this ever in my life, yeah, ever. And especially at your age, like how old are you now? I'm 13. God. Okay. I've never heard of anything like that before. And it's crazy because I'm, I'm really almost speechless. I haven't heard of a story like this or even experiencing that level of bullying and trauma. Second oh, I'm sorry. Let me back up for a minute. Something that I yeah. thought was some things. Okay. So going back to the situation of the bullying and everything. So, well, as we're going through the criminal prosecutions and everything, or I'm going through the criminal prosecution, I reached out to the state, the state of Maryland. Um, sorry, I reached out to the board, Maryland, the, the County Board of Education. The County okay. Board of Education wouldn't do anything. Same. Mm -hmm. Took it up to the state. The state board of education said that they wanted to help, but they couldn't help. And the reason that they could not help is because the school district was an independent district. While they had influence over them, they had no power over them. Uh, the state security officer recommended that I elevate things higher and make it something national. Mm. Uh, particularly given the school's felons. I said, okay. So I reached out to Congress. I reached out specifically to Donna Edwards and Elijah Cummins, told them about what was going on. I also reached out to the mayor. At that time, it was Alan Kittleman. Told them everything that was going on and everything that was going on in the school system and all of their felons. And they did everything that they could to exert uh, power and influence over the schools about you guys need to do something. And but still, the school was reluctant. The school okay. 
very reluctant to still do anything despite all of these high-powered people calling them mm-hmm. to do something until I made one final phone call or sent one final letter. I said, I'm going to go as high as you can go, and I'm going to call up President Obama. So I sent okay. the White House, and I called the White House, and presently, President Obama responded. He said he responded with a letter telling us about the anti-bullying campaigns and things of that nature and different things. Mm-hmm. That and he said that he's going to forward our complaint over to the U.S. Department of Education. So he okay. think over to the U.S. Department of Education um, to their Office of Civil Rights. So mm-hmm. now the uh, the Office of Civil Rights is, uh, is involved, and this is big this point because when you get to the US Department of Education level, you're talking about yeah. you're talking about federal funding. Yeah. So, uh the school district was in uh um facing losing their federal funding line because of everything that they allowed to transpire. Now once the US Department of Education unleashed an investigation, at that point the school system finally started to listen to me and said, okay, what okay. can we do to make this right? But those are some um, important points that I left out that I should have highlighted. Dietrich, I admire all the lengths that you have gone <laughs> for Haley. Um, I think if the lengths that parents will go for their their children was a person, it would be you. <laughs> because you have gone, I mean, just the extra mile just to, and, and some people may say, you know, violence is not an answer. We're not getting into that. That's not a debate, you know, in this episode, but it's it's really showing the lengths that you will go for your child. And I don't care who you are. My daughter, she's only about to be two years old. And I'm like, yeah, if anything ever happened like that, I'm not, I don't even know what I would do. And it's easy to say, you know, what you would do in a certain situation. But when you're in the moment and someone you know, it's and it's something that you're passionate about. And for me, marginalization, bullying, things like that, I'm I'm so passionate about those things. And so I, I can't even say what I would and wouldn't do. Um, but I I really admire the links that you have gone to protect Haley, um, to speak out about injustice, no matter you know, just because someone isn't listening doesn't mean you just give up. You try to go to the next person. You try to do whatever you can um, to bring justice to a situation. And I love that both of you, even though um, there were wrongdoings on on the other um, person's part and there was, you know, victimization, you both still acknowledged your your role in the situation. Like eventually, Dietrich, you came to the realization, okay, well, Maybe I could have gone right. gone about this a different route, you know, after speaking to your attorney. Um, and it takes courage um, because a lot of times when you talk about being victimized, mm-hmm. um, you don't hear a lot from that person about kind of how they contributed to the situation and doesn't excuse what the other person has done. But I admire that about both of you um, is that you are just as bold to take responsibility for your actions and your words as you are bold to speak out about injustice. So I really admire that about both of you. And thank you so much for trusting this platform with your story. This is not easy to talk about. And Haley, at 13 years old, I was not telling anything. No story, (laughs) no nothing. Like, 
you will not know anything about my life at age 13. Like there was going to be nothing um, that I, I would be so bold to raise awareness about and especially your personal journey. And I'm just really excited to see where all of this goes. And I mean, you're only 13. Wow. I, I, wow. And you're so mature for your age, which I, I wouldn't be surprised if you get that a lot. Um, but you really are. And I'm excited to see, I'm a Christian, so I'm just going to say it where God, you know, takes you and the plans that he has for your life. Um, I'm really excited to see that. And you're just your journey of advocacy. You are a strong advocate already. Like there were things that I was passionate about and wanted to advocate for, but I was too scared. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you have learned early, like it's okay to speak out against injustice. I'm so proud of you um, just for everything that you have endured and, and accomplished. Um, and I plan to like follow your journey. I won't stalk you. I promise. <laughs> I do plan to follow your journey because I think it's amazing. Um, and if there's any way ever that I can support you, I will be ordering the book. Um, and well, both books actually, but if there's any way that I can ever support you, um, please don't hesitate to let me know. But thank you so much for sharing your story on the show. I really, really, really appreciate it. And I hope that those that tune in, um, that something will stick with them from the episode and that they will be um, inspired by your words. Can you share where, um, either one of you can, um, where people can stay connected um, and purchase your books? I'll also put it up um, on the screen for those watching. I'll take that one. Um, Haley can be found on almost all forms of social media. She can be found on um, Instagram and Facebook under the Book of Self Love 2020. Uh, she can also be found on YouTube. Um, on YouTube, her account name is The Rules of a Big Boss. YouTube is the fun place because um, <laughs> we walk through her book. Her book is not only a book itself, it's also a, a activity book. And mm, okay. activity book, we have started up uh, with respect to the channel, we have started walking through a lot of those activities. Um, she has done some of them herself and she has uh, pulled me in to help <laughs> of them as in, hey, you're going to be in this too. Yeah. Uh, some uh, different activities. Like one of them was an empowerment exercise. Uh, another one is just building self-esteem. And uh -huh. I do a couple, at least one or two videos a week and so on and so forth. And the whole point is to try and help other people feel empowered and feel inspired. So um, as I said, as far as social media, you can connect with her on YouTube under the Rules of a Big Boss, Facebook and IG, The Book of Self-Love 2020. And finally, uh, her website, which is the... Um, the book of self love.com and on the book of self love.com um she has everything you can think of she has uh clothing she has accessories shoes uh bags all types of things that will build up your self-esteem and like uh this pullover that i'm wearing right now oh wow okay uh is one of the items from our product uh line um, she also, as I said, she has a blog, her YouTube page is linked in with the website. So you can watch the videos on the website as opposed to going to YouTube. Her business is officially licensed with, the, with the state of North Carolina. Mm, congratulations. You're not getting fake goods or anything like that. And she personally, yeah. everything that's on her website. So what we did is, um, the new book that's coming out is actually 
fallen under her company name. So now not only will her company be a woven and accessory line, it will also be a publishing agency as well. Wow. Oh, and she's using the save. Oh, and let me also say this. She's the CEO of the company. I'm the chief operations officer. I work for her, but she doesn't think okay. for some reason she thinks I'm a volunteer. Money that she actually saved in college. What she mm-hmm. wants to do is to protect people from what she went through. Mm-hmm. Shut up now, and I'm gonna let her close out and say that I should have let her say it, but I couldn't help myself. Yeah, clear. no worries. Proud dad. <laughs> the um the likely journey is basically a child who was raised by a single mother, mm-hmm. grandmother, went on to become a single father. That's the unlikely journey. The fire and gold is the that single father and his daughter were thrown in the fire like Meshach, Shadrach, and Indigo. A fourth person ended up being in the fire with them. Yeah. Ended up looking like the Spirit of God. Yeah. Bought them out of that fire and he put them in yet another fire. And that's a fire that we're going through right now. But Mm -hmm. I have nothing but confidence and faith that God is going to pull us through it because he's done it before and he's mm-hmm. again. So, you know, gold can't be melted. It can only be purified and cleaned. So as you go through the fire, you should always come out stronger. So that's what the book is about. These are our, these, these books are about, these are our experiences. This is what we know. We didn't allow it to break us because we're gold. We simply mm-hmm. purify. And you can come out purified too. If you take these steps, listen to us, Trust us, but most of all, trust and have faith in God. When you yeah. go through, look above the hills. That's where mm-hmm. the that's where your help comes from. So mm-hmm. every day as I was going through the persecution and everything to face of prison imprisonment, facing losing custody of my daughter, everything that yeah. I for, I read Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death every day. Um, I read Isaiah 40, 31 every day. They that wait on the yeah. wings like an eagle or sore. And I waited patiently. And nothing but faith that he's going to bring me through it, bring us through it. And he did. And if he will do it for a sinner like me, he will do it for anyone else. All you got to do is have much seed faith and trust in him. This has been such a blessing to me. Um, I really appreciate both of you. And I pray that your plans prosper on those plans that you have and that he does even greater than what you are even imagining and thinking. And you're a visionary. You see things. Um, But I believe that he can do a lot more than you even see. So I just pray that the the plans that he has for you just completely blows your mind. Um, And it's like 10 times what you even imagine that he has in store for you, especially starting early in. Um, just really be encouraged that he hasn't just started being with you too. Um, he hasn't just started protecting you and just and hasn't just, you know, had a plan for you to in light of everything that has been going on. This has been from the foundation before the foundation of the world. Um, so just, you know, when you're going through those tough times and you're, you know, I've had my own bouts with um, depression, you know, starting in middle school, mm-hmm. um, you know, it can go. It ebbs and flows. Like sometimes, you know, you feel like you're way up here on the mountain. Other days you're like way down in the valley. Um, so when you have those days, just really be encouraged 
um, that God, you know, he hasn't just started being with you. He's been with you this entire time and he will not stop just because of any external circumstance um, and know that you have people surrounding you, um, even if it's just a few. It's, it still counts. Um, and I want you to know, particularly, Haley, you know, if you ever have times where you need someone to talk to or that you need someone to just encourage you or to say, you know, it's it's you can do this. You know, it life is, is worth living for. It may be tough. Um, but, you know, if you ever need that, um, please don't hesitate to reach out to me um, at all. It doesn't matter what time, nothing. Just don't don't be afraid to reach out to me um, because this episode has really brought light to a lot of things, not just injustice, but mental health to to a lot of things. Um, and I know that this is going to help a lot of young people, especially because I know you're not the only one. And I'll say you're not the only one. So um, just really be encouraged by your by your story and what this is not by coincidence. Um, and I know that the things that we go through, like Diedrich, you ask, why me? Why did this have to happen to me? And I'm sure, Haley, that's that's been a question that has been going through your mind as well. I think we all have those experiences where it's like, why me? And the fact that it's that it's not, you know, by coincidence doesn't take away the sting or take away the trauma. But it also allows you to see this is this is beyond, you know, you shouldn't have experienced this. You shouldn't have had to go through this. But when you see the influence and the impact that this can have on other people, and can can keep them from going through the same cycles that's breaking generational curses absolutely okay that's that's changing the narrative we talk about it all the time but that's that's what it is it's being able to come from your experience and say okay i don't ever want anyone to go to go through what i went through mm -hmm. so again i we could go on all, <laughs> all evening but i really appreciate you too um, coming on to share and I will have all of their links in the description for you to um, take advantage of and please be on the lookout for the unlikely journey. Um, thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So thank you to everyone for tuning in and make sure that you connect with Diedrich and Haley on social media. Did you enjoy this episode? If you haven't already, subscribe on your favorite listening platform and our new YouTube channel with video interviews premiering in season three. I'd also love for you to continue the conversation with those around you. One way you can do that is by purchasing MSE Podcasts Conversation Starters Deck, available for purchase at bygracenp.com. Be sure to leave a review on one of MSE's listening platforms share with a friend, and join the My Sentiments Exactly podcast community on social media at MSE Podcast. The podcast is available for listening on all major streaming platforms by gracenp.com and YouTube now. Hope to hear from you soon.